Okay, three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. Her name is Roberta Glass, G-L-A-S-S. She runs True Crime Report on YouTube. And the reason for our discussion tonight is the something that happened in New York yesterday, uh, Wednesday, March 6, 2019, at the Thurgood Marshall U.S. Courthouse in New York, New York. There was a hearing um, about, and it was supposed to be um, open argument between uh, two people, really. It was uh, Michael Cernovich versus Virginia Jeffrey, who used to be Virginia Roberts, and Alan M. Dershowitz against or versus Virginia L. Jeffrey, and they are litigants in a civil uh, civil suit. And we were very fortunate to have Roberta Glass on hand and in the courtroom, much like she did her reporting or is continuing her reporting on the whole Nexium matter. This uh, Jeffrey Epstein situation has now boiled to the surface after Miami Herald published a three-part article and the um, case against Je- uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the criminal case, was set aside by a a judge and they're supposed to make a determination very shortly about the how to wrap up the or re reconsider the criminal case but this is a civil matter and uh, anyway i would like to uh just commend roberta glass for being on hand are you there yes awesome thanks so much so you on pretty short notice you made your way over there last night and uh Saw some pretty interesting firsthand stuff. So maybe you can just do a little bit of a background how you've been in these these courtrooms. I don't know if this is the same court that Nexium was. No. Okay. So no, we're... it's not. Okay. No, this was um, the Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall Court, uh, which is fifty thousand times as intimidating as the Brooklyn Federal Court, which is like become my home away from home. Okay. <laughs> there so often i know how to get through security i really all the people who work there are super nice this is much more like there's you know it's just a huge building with tons of steps and columns and the security was much more intense it was a freezing night uh yesterday you know and i had like my thigh high leg warmers on under my pants and all this stuff on so getting through security was like an and then also they have these elevators where you go up and then you're a hallway and then all the doors, it looks like you're in a room full of mirrors, all these gold doors. Is this what you, and then you don't, I didn't know, thank God there was a, a, a janitor there. And I asked like, which door do I go? In? I wouldn't know. Then you go in through one door into another door. It, it's really, wow, really, really, it was on quite, the 17th floor, uh, right? 17th floor. 17th floor. Yeah. And so you found it to be relatively busy too, right? Yeah, it, I was, I was honest, uh, I, the trains were messed up. So I got there by the time I got through security, there were no more seats in the courtroom. I was in the overflow room, which was, I was the first person in the overflow room. And then the overflow room filled up. Wow. How many so people I'm, total? How many people total do you think were there? TV, uh, where you can see, you know, all the, in some ways, you're at a disadvantage because you don't get the whole sort of vibe of the audience watching it. That's not in the overflow room, but you get an advantage because I got to see Alan Dershowitz like straight on reaction and the judge's reaction really close up. 
and, and, and you're at a disadvantage when you're sitting, you know, in the courtroom far away. It's a very tiny, tiny courtroom compared okay. to a Brooklyn courtroom that I'm used to. Gotcha. And it was so, mostly media there that were there as well, correct? I don't know who was, you know, I don't know who was there. Interesting. Honestly, I don't know who everybody was. Okay. I, I mean, there was obviously media because I stayed for Alan Dershowitz's impromptu press conference afterwards, which was really funny. Um, and media showed up, you know, you have to check your cell phone. Uh, they showed up, they sort of huddled all around him in the hallway afterwards. And there was a good deal of media about like maybe 15, 20 people. Interesting. Inside the court, inside the court room. Oh, there's, I, I, it seemed like a lot of people. It seemed like maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't want to guess maybe a hundred people, 150 people, something like that. I would think. And what was the kind of layout um, that you got started? There was some type of people making their case for the unsealing of records, right? So Jufre right. had her own attorney there. I believe his name is Paul Cassell. And yes. um, so he represented her in both of those discussions. So Cernovitz had a guy by the name of Randaza who has been around, who's now, I think, representing Alex Jones in a, a First Amendment um, He's law. a First Amendment lawyer, right. yeah. And so so he was there. Who went first? Was it Chernovich's lawyer or was it Dershowitz? Dershowitz. Uh, the first, uh, first, uh, first time I started taking notes was on Dershowitz. Dershowitz's lawyer saying um, that Dershowitz's whole reputation has been ruined by, the, by this. Um, that... Um, that uh, we we uh, we can protect we we can protect the victims by um, redacting things, but they only talked about redacting the names of minors. Hmm. Now, so I have a question for you because you're a lawyer. So, if this happened and the person was a minor at the time, but is no longer a minor, does that mean that their name gets redacted? That's a damn good question. I would think that the the matter at hand is the status of that person at the time of lawsuit. But I think both Cernovich and Dershowitz are arguing that those should be unredacted. That's really their, their point is they want access to um, these, these uh, information. Their argument is that it's a, it's in the public interest to uncover these names. And uh, Castle seems to have made the argument. There was that interesting interview with him outside the courtroom that you sent me where he said, we can just sit down and go piece by piece and see what's important. So I think that, um, that was interesting. So I do believe that what will the judges rule will rule that it's at the time of the, uh, the lawsuit that those names and those names, it's not, you know, it's very common to have Jane does John does, etc. uh, in the interest of public safety and in the interest of, uh, privacy. So, no, let's, I mean, let's be clear, like the purpose of Dershowitz, if you listen to his interviews and you really listen with open ears, is he wants to find out anyone who's accusing him uh, and sue, uh, terrorize them with the law and sue them to death. That is, he says uh, in one interview, I don't care if I spend the rest of my money. I want, he just mentioned uh, Virginia uh, Gaffray. Tell me how to say her name again. Jufre, I think it's Jufre. That's what I think. So it's hard. Jufre. G-I-U-F-F-R-E. Uh, Virginia Roberts for this purpose of this interview. Yes. 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 Um, 
anyways, the point, he says, I don't, I just want her. And that's how Alan Dershowitz interestingly refers to her uh, by the name that he strangely knew her under, Virginia Roberts, allegedly, you know, he referred to her under that, uh, with that name in his um, press conference. Right. And it's important to know that he was, he was part of the Epstein dream team along with Kenneth Starr and a couple, I think Black was his name, a well-known floor defense attorney. So he he was around Epstein in the uh, you know era of 2001 to 2010. I believe the original agreement was agreed upon, or the criminal case was um, adjudicated and finalized sometime 2008, 2009. So, uh, you know, it's the and the accusation. Just to be clear is that at least she wrote, Virginia Roberts wrote or had, I think in the mm-hmm. deposition, and this is on the Miami Herald, she's being interviewed, that he had sex with her six times. So she said six. Um, and there's another accuser with the last name of Ransom who accused Dershowitz also of engaging in intercourse, sexual intercourse with her. So there's two accusers. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so... This hearing was, yes. uh, you know, very important as to whether these two people, Cernovich and Dershowitz, will be able to obtain court records about other, possibly other accusers. Right, and Dershowitz's position is different than uh, the others um, who want these records uh, unsealed, in that he wants three very specific records unsealed that he feels will exonerate him. Okay. Did they they itemize those in court? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, one of those is a email concerning the manuscript of Virginia Roberts. She wrote a memoir, right? And her editor, I believe wrote her back. There was only one page on Alan Dershowitz and it didn't mention sex. And she says, uh, you know, think about putting more Alan Dershowitz in your uh, manuscript. And so Alan Dershowitz thinks that's incredibly uh, exonerating and that what this email can be interpreted as meaning is that the editor is saying to uh, Virginia Roberts, go and make up all the details you want because Everybody knows you can't have enough Dershowitz in a memoir. You know, forget making up stuff about Harrison Ford or Tom Cruise. What the public really wants is Alan Dershowitz, sex with Alec Dershowitz, details about that, right? Oh, God. And I talked to my friend Kathy Medwick, uh, who's a a writer um, and has a lot of editorial experience and is, I think, one of the best human beings ever, but about that this morning. And I said... You know, would an editor ever ask their a writer to make up details? And she said that would be so considered so um, immoral and out out of uh, I don't know out of you what's could, typically asked absolutely. Well, they could get sued. The, com- the the complications of lying in any type of memoir is that somebody could litigate and actually win if it's not true. And what she said is that, and what this is what I interpreted that email to mean is, you know, that would that's really interesting that Alan Dershowitz, who negotiated this deal for Epstein, was also a uh, client of his 
underage brothel services. Put more of that in there. And that's very common for an editor. And the fact that Alan Dershowitz wants to twist that, the meaning of that email, should uh, alarm uh, alarm the public. Yeah, interesting. Her, her manuscript has never been publicly published, to my knowledge. Right. right. So, so one of those is the page of the manuscript where uh, and one of them is the email. And I think one other thing that he thinks is exonerating, I think maybe some kind of I have it in my notes somewhere. God, God knows I took so many. But it's, you know, three things. And his his lawyers arguing that my client is 81 years old and he may not live to the unsealing of these documents like Damien oh, Eccles style. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh <laughs> he gosh. won't live. You got to release them right away. What Judge. was the name of his attorney? I forgot. I thought I read that. Oh, his attorney. He had two there. Um, oh, gosh. I'm not sure I got that. He's interviewed in that interview. Uh, right. He's behind. I, yeah, outside. When, when, and Dershowitz, when you put the uh, Goodman was out there, this guy Jason Goodman of Crowdsourcing the Truth interviewing Dershowitz, and he really wanted to make his statements heard. You know, he was out there for a good 15 minutes, 15 minute monologue slash diatribe, uh, really, you know, for, and he was, uh, he was, Dershowitz is on TV today. I think it was. Was it Good Morning America? Which show was that he was on where he was being directly asked whether he was uh, involved with any improprieties and he categorically denied it? Oh, yeah. And this is the really interesting thing about Alan Dershowitz is that he has had such a career and he's so comfortable in a courtroom that he, and he feels that he will win with on any case that he is dying to get the, this into the court, court in, in his it's like a baseball player, you know, like Michael Jordan wanting to, like, you know, play one-on-one -on -one basketball because he knows he'll win. It doesn't matter what the truth is. He just feels like the courtroom is his domain. Get this in the courtroom. And he feels that the public is buying this. And if you look at the comments, I have never seen such a comment section on a video. Uh, people who, uh, people who, who might buy a bridge, you know, don't believe him. Right. It, it just... Every every comment is I don't believe this guy. He has this. Alan Dershowitz has this habit of his left eye twitches when he talks about this subject. Interesting. I mean, clearly, like he probably doesn't play poker. Right, a bunch uh, of tells. Yeah, major tells. He just comes off as a liar, and he thinks he's convincing everyone. Well, he, yeah, he's really claiming for he wants her deposed. He wants all this. He wants criminal prosecution of Roberts. You know, a lot of uh, he has a lot of demands of the court system to obtain justice outside of the court. You know, not while he's in court, but at least he's saying that for interviews. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, 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 I mean, there's so many things. It, it, this was really interesting uh, hearing. And you realize the impact of the Me Too movement uh, oh, of not just the not just the Me Too movement with women of the uh, leaving uh, leaving Neverland documentary, uh, the Cosby trial where the where the uh, jury was educated about how victims really act, why they they why they um, this also came up in the last Nexium hearing why uh, the prosecution is going to have an expert on how uh, victims. Um, of sexual uh, sexual abuse, 
um, act. And it's not the, it's not a, a, a way that you would think that they would act. They often stay in contact with their victims, uh, victimizers. Um, they, uh, they often delay reporting and the public's just being educated on all these fronts. So watching Alan Dershowitz bring up the me too movement, which I think he confuses with his own personal movement, the me first movement or the sue you movement. Um, (laughs) but, uh, he's like watching someone in times square in like a white polyester leisure suit asking you why there's no discotheques open. I mean, he's so in a different era, you know, and so out of it that the time for this kind of defense is over, you know, blame the victim, uh, go after the victim. He thinks it's going to exonerate and make him look great. And the public will love him and treat him like the victim he is and the innocent man. Like he even said in one interview, everyone can see that I'm innocent. And I, and wow. I felt like, you know, screaming, no, no one thinks you're in No one believes you. Not one person believes you. Wow. Yeah. Now that he has two accusers, that's going to be a problem with him. But there was an article that I read that he is still Epstein's attorney and Epstein is still calling him as a, as of the last year, you know? So how, how I wish somebody would have asked him that question today is, are you still representing Jeffrey Epstein? That's a great question. Um, you know, also the other, the other, uh, Oh, I I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Do you know that he, do you know that Epstein has told a journalist that he received a therapeutic massage from an old, old Russian at Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein's house. So he's admitted to being inside of Epstein's house and receiving a massage. Is that the massage that he didn't enjoy and called his wife right after? Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's yeah. so, such a weird, that's kind of like one of those defenses, like no one who could ever be doing anything bad would call their wife after. Right. I mean, that's and, the, that's what he's trying to convince. Them. Oh, yeah. Right. Good. Excellent point. Very excellent. And point. I have to also give my mom credit because my mom has been telling anyone and everyone who could listen since 1982. I'm not kidding. Her dis- <laughs> disgust and distaste with Alan Dershowitz. It would be like, Mom, what's for dinner? I do not like that Alan Dershowitz. I just asked you what's for dinner. She has been so obsessed with disliking him. With, you know, way before this ever came out that I have to give her her due, you know, mom's well, not. You know, it's so. interesting you say that because it's not like Dershowitz has had a stellar record of clients. I mean, he's had uh, O.J. Simpson. He's had, what is it? What's the guy's name? Von Bulow. Klaus Von Bulow. Klaus Von Bulow. I mean, so. And when he's had a love letter movie. And in that movie, there's a scene where he talks about building a defense and how he has to completely obliterate the case and how he's going to do it. And there's a line in there. He goes, because the judges are going to have to go home to their wives and explain why they let that wife killer, Klaus von Bülow, go free. Like, it's the nagging wives that are really getting in in the way of of justice. Right. Yeah, very hardly. interesting. I mean, he's he's no friend to women, and for him to bring up the that this is bad for the Me Too movement and rape victims, like he's been some champion when he negotiated the deal for Epstein, right. like he's some champion of women, had me shaking when I left the outrageous because the the level of abuse is really off the charts. They've had 
these women go public, but not, there's been settlements. We know that there have been settle, civil settlements that involve boys, Flexner, um, with Jeffrey Epstein from his estate. And I think that even Dershowitz has mentioned them in, in discussions that they were sizable settlements. And we don't know how many settlements there are, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Those are settlements that are clearly uh, non-disclosed. I also just need to correct myself because I thought that that video that I watched was an interview with Dershowitz this morning. I was wrong. It's actually three years old, but it was on the Today Show where he could categorically deny. So I made a mistake there. Um, um, it's a good interview, though. The, are you talking about the one with the woman interviewer? Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's a good interview. Today it's a good show. one to watch. And also, um, I was thinking of um, who, why can't I think of his name, who is being the director who's being accused of abusing all those underage boys who did those big Singer? films? Singer? Sing. Remember when he was first accused and he said that the, his schedule exonerated him? Good point. Excellent point. His schedule was going to exonerate, right? That's what Dershowitz is. He wants to see the flight records and it makes it very clear to me because of Singer experience where that's how he got out of it the first time. It's since come to come up again. Um, how he got shut up the victims the first time is by saying I wasn't there and hiring, you know, Marty Singer as his lawyer. Uh, Alan Dershowitz is saying the same thing. Let me see these flight records. You know, he's really looking to uh, get his own witnesses to uh, be his alibi witnesses, maybe his wife, maybe his daughter, he suggested. Um, And there was one moment also that was really interesting in the courtroom where an older male, there's three judges, one woman, two two men but the older male judge had trouble just like i am pronouncing virginia roberts new last name and he said well um let me see if i can get this quote exactly he said something like i'll call the witness what i like interesting oh i'll call the defendant's parties what i like and the women you could hear and a gasp. I looked behind me because I was in the front row. I looked behind me and all the women were, you know, in the room making eye contact with me, smiling, shaking our heads because it just seemed to represent so much of the attitude towards uh, women and women victims. Like it just doesn't matter what their names are. doesn't matter what I call them. Wow. They're yeah. un- well, I mean, that probably goes back to the whole Acosta decision, you know, that they were swept under the rug. They were never, uh, afforded their rights under the Victim Rights Act, and uh, that was it. You know, Epstein got a slap on the wrist, thirteen months, and most of it served at his home. You know, never really did any hard time. Well, you look at someone like R. Kelly or Bill Cosby, and you know, fifty women have to come forward. Right. Good point. You know, yeah. R. Kelly. You know, uh, I mean, well, it, it just seems like it has to be crazy numbers. Yeah, before it actually any, people start talking in serious. Well, there, I mean, according to what I'm reading, there's hundreds of victims. There's at least a hundred of these Jeffrey Epstein people around. They're not all have come forward. A lot of the stuff's under the table. And by the way, Singer is also kind of within the orbit of Jeffrey Epstein. You know, he was... Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, he was supposedly, according to some reporters, uh, Crazy Days and Nights, that he went to Lolita Island, that that's where... 
he would go there and he would actually, instead of flying in, take a boat so that he could do it um, surreptitiously. Have you heard anything about um, Alan Dershowitz's first wife, Susan Barish? No, but I've heard, I've, I've, I vaguely recollect that there was a, something scandalous between both of them. Do you know anything about it? Well, I, I mean, the, I've just, you know, not, no credible sources, which is really, uh, no, you know, kind of credible sources, but she, the stuff I've read is that she eventually jumped off a bridge and committed suicide, which is a rare way of a woman to die. Very and right rare. before that, Alan Dershowitz had cheated on her. She had thrown some of his legal papers to the wind and that he had beat her up and that he had gotten the, his two kids from her, you know, won the custody custody. But I, I, you know, they were basically insinuating that he killed her and kind of hushed it up. But I think that also if, if any of that is true, that also what is an option in that scenario is that he, litigated her to death you know to suicide drove her to suicide yeah i I really see that as a possibility if if any of that is true i don't know well what do you what do you think that if that's the past uh, it'd be precedent for the future if these girls who want to be anonymous have are redacted they're up against a seasoned long-term attorney with resources you know it's the potential is there and they, I think, did they use the term slut shaming? Sorry for the term, yes. but did they, did they use that in court? Yes, yes they did. Okay. Yes, they did many times. They brought up uh, Cernovich and uh, uh, Paul Cassell, uh, uh, pulling no punches, called him a slut shamer. Uh, right. He also called him a proxy for Mr. Dershowitz. We would describe him as a slut shamer or as the cat's paw for Alan Dershowitz. Wow. And apparently, I mean, they're supposedly publicly, Cernovich and Dershowitz are fighting, but uh, Paul Cassell in a pro hoc vis uh, filing that was filed in 2017, it was a response in opposition to, uh, they wanted to unsee, this has been going on for two years, but uh, right. Cassell was involved and he show, he actually includes a lot of information about Dershowitz, but there's pictures of Cernovich with Dershowitz together. There's statements yeah. by Cernovich that he got into law because of Dershowitz, that yeah. um, uh, Cernovich's public statements about women would, uh, you know, make a lot of a lot of women th- literally throw up. Uh, but it uh, it's very interesting because. Uh, Cernovich is real, and and Dershowitz are up against very smart people, and they and he wrote this mo- his motion to unseal this Cernovich's motion was pretty much uh, destroyed in this in this counter motion where he, they say that Cernovich was using inappropriate in opposite case sightings that didn't actually bolster <laughs> his case, so he sent this bungling motion into the court that. Most of his followers probably are people who admire him would never read, but uh, uh-huh. it is really a fast. If you really unpack all the players and everything, this whole situation is really incredible. Even and it's coming. It came to a point yesterday. Yeah, the woman, uh, the woman judge. I just say that just to because um, I didn't catch their names. Uh, she asked um, how uh, how what are his qualifications to call himself a journalist 
and his First Amendment lawyer, who is very much like I, I was saying to you before we started recording in the vein, uh, in the mold of uh, Mark Agnafilo, who is the uh, lawyer for Keith Ranieri, like very theatrical and makes big emotional arguments. And um, he was saying she was saying, well, how can you know, how is he a credible journalist? I mean, could you call him a journalist? And he's saying, yes, I would call him a journalist. He's done two films. I'm like, what are do you know what these films are? Yeah, he's done one doc. I think it's doxed. He's made a couple self-financed films. Yes, Cernovich uh, has. And they were saying that uh, he made a very smart argument, which he's saying, well, the New York Times would have to pass that test. And if we put Judith Miller on the stand, you know, uh, Ju- Judith Miller, as an example, she got us on, into the Iraq war on false information. Very quick argument and very smart. The name of so, Cernovich's film is Hoaxed. It's a hoaxed. documentary. But he also news. said about women, I mean, it's very interesting that none of these uh, uh, men who hang, who are around Dershowitz like women very much, from Epstein to Dershowitz to Cernovich, who said that uh, any good sex is like rape, right. something close to that. Right. right. No, no, definitely. It was, uh, let me get the direct quote. I still have it here. Um go down he's, he's he's written a lot of stuff like that but the hotter the sex the most more closely it resembles rape october 15th 2011 and Can you uh, see such thing as date rape too right have you guys ever tried raping a girl without using force tried it's basically impossible date rape does not exist what he oh he's never had sex without force i don't know but uh, <laughs> he, you know i think that he had had um he had had a rape case against him, Cernovich. I think that he, I don't know what the conclusion of it was, but there was a sex, I believe that there was something like that. I'm not totally sure, but there was something like that in his past. Have you heard that? I, I, ju- I just became familiar with him when, uh, when, uh, you, you asked, you asked, uh, me to, uh, attend this hearing. Gotcha. So. so I will have to, um, I will have to double, check that let's see i think let's see i think that there was a case a case like that and there's also another in- interesting moment because just just lane maxwell's lawyer was there g-lane uh, yes go ahead g-lane um s is silent s is silent g-lane maxwell uh his name was mr g was his name right well do you know who that was they brought him yeah. in from Colorado. That was the guy who got Kobe Bryant off on his rape, uh, sexual assault case. Yeah, and he did not seem so prepared because they each have like four minutes. So, um, you know, you don't have as much time as someone, you know, watching it. It's really like, um, I don't know what I'm thinking of, like one of those like speed dating or something, you know, you're, like, you're writing down and everything's happening very fast and um he didn't seem as prepared as he could have um they asked him uh if there was any reason uh on sensory judgment why these um these 100 documents should shouldn't be unsealed and he says i'll have to go back and look um and then he's and then he announced i'm out of time like don't ask me any more questions (laughs) i've earned my money i'm out of time i'm done 
So on uh, the Wikipedia page for Mike Cernovich, just for clarification, yeah. Cernovich was charged with and arrested for rape in 2003, but he denied the allegations. The charge related to this incident was later reduced to misdemeanor battery of a woman for which he performed community service. So he was arrested for rape, but um, I guess he was convicted on a misdemeanor. So, and then there was a great moment right after that where the judge asked him, the older judge asked him if, male judge asked him um, if there's any any of these 167 documents that should be unsealed. And, and he said no. And the judge said, you can't possibly be serious. To, to who, Randazza? No, to uh, Mr. G. Mr. G. Oh, interesting. So he, I wonder why he was there for Maxwell. I, I don't know if she was named party. I guess not. I, oh, be, I think it's because... The original Except suit was a def- Miami suit. Yes, right. I think that Robert sued Maxwell for de- defamation, right? That's the original suit. It was a defamation suit. I thought it was that the Miami Herald and all these newspapers have also joined suit asking yes. for these documents to be unsealed. Correct. Was- That's correct. Yeah, it's really and- super Byzantine what's going on. There's a lot of uh, movable people and parts. Yeah, I am definitely not an expert on this subject, and it's quite different than going to the Nexium hearings that are quite uplifting, and you know you feel like justice is being done. These are like the injustice hearings. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, there's like a what great you know two women prosecutors, the cult leaders in 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 jail looking terrible. You know, all the rulings are going against them. You don't know how that Nexium is ever going to win, even with all their money, you know, and uh, you feel like justice is going to be done. And this is quite, quite the opposite, you know. Wow, yeah, that's remarkable. And that, so how long in total do you think the entire hearing was? It was long. I mean, it was long for, for how many, uh, oh, I'd say like, I'd say I got out of there like an hour and maybe an hour, hour and 10, 10 minutes, which is long for a hearing that was supposed to be 14 minutes total. Right. So, right. So they, and when you kind of left, there was, you know, something going on. Goodman was down there and he interviewed or he, he had a time with this guy, John Connolly, who co-wrote a book on Epstein published in 27, November 28, 2017. Filthy Rich, The Billionaire Sex Scandal, The Shocking True Story of Jeffrey Epstein. Um, but did you see other uh, members of the media out there trying to get interviews? It seems like uh, Goodman kind of got a scoop having Dershowitz there for 15 minutes. Well, Dershowitz uh, actually came and stood right next to me uh, and said, I'm going to have my, my press conference right here, right here. He had all these sycophant law students that just ran up to him after the, that's what they looked like to me, you know, young law students. I didn't get to ask, are you young law students? But that's what they look like. I can't imagine what other, maybe their staff, I don't know. And one, what looks like to be, you know, maybe his PR agent or his something like that. Some may have been his wife. God, I don't know what she looks like. Um, but he's like, I'm going to have it right here. And they're like, uh, Mr. Dershowitz, we can't use our cameras in this room. And he's like, oh, well, I'll have it out in the hallway then. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to miss an opportunity to have my picture taken. Right. When I tell I, my side of the story. Right. Right. And he gave a speech 
And I had a reaction to it that I've never, and I've sat through, you know, a lot of this stuff, mm. you know, a lot of hearings with a lot of ridiculous claims being made. But he made a speech suggesting that the federal government uh, make a criminal investigation into Virginia Roberts and her, and her, and her lawyers. Uh, how absolutely innocent, and now everyone can see how innocent he is, and all the journalists are right. And as I'm writing and listening to this, I just start la- like laughing, laughing, but trying to control it and coughing. And when he said that the thing about the federal criminal investigation, I thought that I was going to collapse into laughter, and I had to just pack. I've had enough. I mean, I, you know, it really takes two people like you have to sell a lie. And uh-huh. I, I just w- just wasn't buying it. Wasn't any- buying it at all. Well, he actually sell. called Castle a liar. I think in that uh, court, you know, according to the reports today, he said Judge Castle is a liar. He lied to the court today, which is a very bold statement. He abused his position as an officer of the court. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Whew. And he says, he says one of us is committing perjury. You know, I say it never happened. She says she had sex with me. One of us is lying. And one of us deserves to be in prison for perjury. And I was like, yeah, that's you, Alan Dershowitz. You deserve to be in prison for perjury. I just, <laughs> I just have never seen someone so out of touch, really. Wow. Out of touch, full of himself, way past his, like, had, has too, had too many yes people around them since maybe Hillary Clinton. I don't know. Wow. That's, that's pretty rough when you're comparing I mean, Dershowitz to Clinton. It's a different vibe, you know. It's a <laughs> right. But it's the studious kind of deflection, intelligent, you know, prevarication, blaming the other people, you know. I mean, if he can really prove that he wasn't there, he should have just proffer that proof to the public right away. Right? And he doesn't want to be deposed. He's been right. avoiding being deposed. Right. And that's what somebody <laughs> asked him that, right? Like, aren't you ready right. to be deposed? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be deposed, but then he won't be deposed. He claims that he responded and he wanted to be deposed. No, he's spinning a, uh, his own, uh, you know, his own fairy tale narrative of what of this is my opinion, you know, obviously of, of what he wished had happened, that he were, was never involved and never had these uh, whatever, <laughs> never had uh never had gotten involved with this sex thing because it ruins his public image. And he, and you know, and you know what I was thinking about is about like Jason Flom and all these people who have like these innocence organizations and talk about how bad the justice system is. Jason Baldwin. And, no, Jason Flom oh, is his name. I think oh. he runs the church of rock and roll. Oh, okay. uh, he does this innocence pod. Like he used to run a, record company oh yeah no but he's been with baldwin and oyandor um eccles right right yeah like he has never heard a cry of innocence that he has not believed that guy is the most gullible human one of the most gullible humans alive but you never see those people a in a courtroom and b talk about the real injustice of our system which is that people who have money and who have knowledge and who have educations can gain gain the system like yes. this and connections absolutely and connections yeah. that's I mean, the justice it's not wearing black t-shirts and and listening to heavy metal so true that's, that's a really that's important exactly. statement and that's exactly what happened in this Epstein's case and you're still seeing it play out i mean i think it's fascinating too that this uh, vacation vac- 
the the uh, D- U.S. District Judge Kenneth Mayer vacated the the court, and I think that they're supposed to respond in 15 days, which is coming to an end, I think, today or tomorrow. So the whole oh, interest, yeah. So I think what they're expecting is the you know finding out the remedy for not addressing these girls under the Victim Rights Act, uh, crime victim U.S. Crime Victim Rights Act. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the criminal case, but you're right. I mean, that's, uh, it's really a shame. Yes. And, and also, of course, the injustice, um, uh, happens, you know, it's just, it's just really, it just really feels unjust. And I had a hard time sleeping last night and I it was very upsetting. It was a very upsetting display, display. Of, of power and, uh, and uh injustice i guess you know i think that's a great way to end it i really appreciate you going to that uh hearing and giving a first person account i think it's it's actually a very important moment in this whole epstein case and you were there just rubbing shoulders with so many uh so many important people that are out there in you know the legal career legal field journalistic field that uh it's pretty remarkable that you were able to make it there Oh, thanks for telling me about it. All right, cool. I guess we're done. Anything else? What? What? Where can people listen to your stuff? I'm on iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube. I think that that covers it. Roberta Glass, True Crime Report. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, uh, hit me up. I'd love to talk about any of this stuff with anyone who's interested. So right on, cool. All right, Roberta Glass, True Crime Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, cool. All right, we're done.